Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Wow. Thanks for sharing, Christina. So I was I was asking God the last few days, Jesus, what do you want me to talk about? And all I kept thinking about is this story in Deuteronomy where the people of Israel were going to go into the promised land. Many of you know this story. It's a classic Sunday school one. They're going to go into the promised land, but before they do, the Israelites send 12 spies into the bad guy's camp, right? They come back, and they start murmuring. They start being afraid, and they say, these guys are giants. There are sons of giants in there. These guys are so strong, we're going to get obliterated. Two of the brothers out of the 12 say, man, God's got us. God's got us. God hears all this going on, and he says to Moses, Moses, none of these people are going to go and inherit their inheritance. They're not going to inherit their inheritance, okay? He says, but the two that were believing, I'm going to use them. And one of them was Joshua. He says, I'm going to use Joshua to basically take your spot, Moses, and he's going to lead the people in. So go to Deuteronomy. We're going to read just a few verses here and then talk about it. This is Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy 1. It's the fifth book in your Bible. Deuteronomy means second law. If you don't know that, Deuteronomy means second law. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy when he was in the desert with the devil. You guys know when the devil was trying to tempt him and Jesus kept quoting scriptures to him. He's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is not meant to just give laws. Deuteronomy was meant to express the heart of the law. That's why it's called second law. And in the beginning of Deuteronomy, Moses says that he's writing this book so that you can understand basically the law. You can understand the heart of it, the intent of it. You guys know there's a difference between a letter and an intent. Yeah? So that's what this book's about. All right, chapter 1, verse 22. Moses is saying, All of you came near me and said, Let us send men before us and let them spy out the land for us and report back to us the way we should go up in it and the cities into which we should come. The plan pleased me well, so I took 12 of your men, one from each tribe. And they departed up and went into the mountain, and they came to the valley of Eschol and surveyed it. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us and said, The land the Lord our God gives us is good. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but disobeyed the word of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren caused our heart to revolt, saying, the, the people are great and tall and stronger than we, and the cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we saw the sons of the giants there. Okay, let's stop. Wow. So what's going on? The people of Israel, God's got a plan for them. God's got a plan for them. He delivered them out of Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. 
I was in college. When I was in college, I was in this class, and the teacher, it was at San Diego State, so they're not Christians. The teacher started bagging on Christianity and the Bible and everything, and I remember I was just saved. You know, when you just get saved, you're like, you're like burning. Like, there's fire in your eyes. Nothing is going to come against God, you know? And I was in this class, and, and, the, and the whole class was on ancient history, and they start just railing on the Bible and stuff, and and he says, you know, who in here actually thinks the Bible doesn't have errors or problems, you know? And so I, I'm not, you know, just innocent little kid of God, you know, I raise my hand. The whole, and they, I kind of came across like a, like a, a, what's it, class clown, you know? So they, they all start laughing. The whole class starts laughing, thinking that I'm just being Micah, you know, like silly. I'm being totally serious. I'm like, and then the teacher looks at me, he giggles. And he, uh, with laughter, is like, you, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, man. I'm like, that's the Bible. It's the word of God <laughs> in this class, you know. And he's looking at me. And so he's like, all right. So it kind of goes back to doing his stuff. Everybody kind of quiets down. Like, oh, wow, Michael's serious. And, and later that day, he goes, in front of the whole class, he challenges me. Like, in like mockery almost. And he goes, he goes, so yesterday... Micah said that the Bible doesn't contradict itself. And he goes, so Micah, you know, (laughs) in front of like all these students, he's like, right here, the Bible says that the people of Israel were enslaved for 400 years. And right here, it says they were enslaved for 480 something years. I can't remember the exact amount. He's like, so explain that to me. You know, I'm like, I got no clue. I'm like, what? I'm sitting there like, I'm just coming here to get an A to get out of here, man. You know? Anyways, so I said, I was like, well, can I like look it up and stuff? Like, can I have some time to research it? You know? He says, that's fair. That's fair. The whole class is like, you know, what's going on? This is like, and so, and so, uh, class was really long. It was a four hour class. God help us. So, so in between, I'm on a break. I call. Melissa, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. I said, Melissa, pull out my Strong's Concordance, or her Strong's. She had one, too. You guys remember Strong's Concordances? It's like that thick, that big. Boom, the table shakes when you open it. Like, not anymore. We just use our phones. Anyways, so she pulls it out, and I said, look these things up. And I got my answer. So I go up to this guy, and, and, and I said, I said in the middle uh, of the break, I go up to him and I said, I got an answer for you. He says, what's the answer? This is not in front of all the students. This is just to him, one-on-one. I said, I said, well, in this verse, it says that they dwelt in the land. The Hebrew word is this. And I said, in this verse, it says they were enslaved. And so I just explained it to him. It's a real simple thing to explain. It actually wasn't very difficult. I was like, I don't know what translation you got, but it sucks, you know? And um, he goes, oh, dang, you know, like he, he's tripping out. And so I go and I sit down and, and he starts class up and he, he, he basically repents in front of the whole class. He's like, well, guys, Micah had an answer. And he goes up to the board, and he writes the Hebrew words. and expl- He literally starts giving a Bible study in the class. <laughs> and I, I didn't have to say anything. I was kind of sitting there like, wow, this is crazy. Anyways, I don't know why I said that. Oh, I didn't know. 400 years. They were enslaved for 400 years. The people are enslaved for 400 years. They're crying out, God save us. 400? That's a long time. 
God, help us. Save us. They're throwing the babies into the Nile River. And uh, God comes and, and he, brings, he brings a savior for them. His name is Moses, who's like Jesus. He's symbolic of Jesus. Moses leads them, y'all know the story, through the Red Sea. God parts it. They go through. It kills the enemy. Yeah? They, they go in the desert. It's only like a week and a half distance where they need to go. And they're in there for 40 years in the desert. Until they get it. <sighs> they go and they look over this land and they go in there and they begin to see things. What do they see? They see strong towers reaching up into the skies. They see people who are so big. How can they obey God? These people are so big. I mean, God did split the water back there. I, I, I mean, God did do all the miracles, signs, and wonders that he did in Egypt. I, I, I mean, God did cause water to flow from a rock. I mean, God did take a pool that was bitter, that if you drank it, you'd die, turned it clean. I mean, God did feed them every day with supernatural food, but there's giants in the land. We can't, we can't follow God. Isn't that crazy? I mean, God did deliver two other kings and their cities into the hand of the Israelites, and the Israelites were able to have shelter. Ah. Oh. But these cities, but these towers, these are crazy. These are huge. These giants are big. I can't go into my inheritance. Look at these things. What happened with that kind of a mindset? They never got to go in. They never got to experience. They completely forgot the God they serve, the God they're following, how big he is, what he does, how awesome he is, how he never left them, how he walked with them, how he guided them, how he fed them, how he covered them, how he sheltered them. And they completely forget all of it in a moment. And they see giants. In a moment. Years and years and years of a powerful God showing his strength showing his dominance, showing his awesomeness, showing his fatherhood. And in a moment, they let it all go because they're afraid of some giants. Woo! How? They're humans. People can do that. Not us. Let's not receive that testimony for us. <laughs> That's, why is it in the Bible? So we can learn from it. What are the giants we face? A lot of us face giants in our mind. The Bible says take every thought captive. Strong towers could be lies. Could be deceptions by the enemy. That you're conquered, you're defeated in certain areas of your life. Yes? You know, there's two types of inheritance. There's inheritance for your life here on earth, just as a human. 
There's different levels of this. There's, there's just things, you have purpose, you have destiny, you have a calling. God, God, you're here for a purpose. Thank God you're here. The world needs you. There's no one like you. You're a unique snowflake. <laughs> Not in a bad way. That term's, that term's now gone whew, far over. <laughs> you know, they're all unique. That was my purpose of that one. You're unique. There's none like you. The world needs you. And in this world, you have an inheritance. Your inheritance is the things God's calling you into. Yes? Sometimes, no, I'm going to say it like this. All the time, you need to learn to have confidence to step into your inheritance so it can come to pass. This is not like brain surgery. The people of Israel had an inheritance. They didn't get it because they didn't go into it. God had it for them. They never took it. Took it. Yes? They had to take it. But to take it, they can't let fear overtake them. If you feel fear, I just want you to know something. You've got a lion in you, and you've got all the confidence you ever need to do whatever you need to do. Yes? Confidence is different than pride. Pride has I in the middle. It's all about you. It's all about you. Confidence is about confiding in somebody. The word faith can easily be termed confidence because you're standing in confidence about your future. Why? Because you got God with you. Yes? Hi, people on the freeway. Wow. You have confidence, but you need confidence if you're going to possess your inheritance. So two levels. There's, there's this life and the things. You're going to need some confidence. You're going to have to have some boldness. You're going to need to take some risks. If you just live in your bunker every day, you're not going to partake of the inheritance and the things that God has for you unless you take some risk. But you can't see the obstacles. You can't see the towers and you can't see the giants bigger than God. If you do, you'll never step into it. So the challenge for us is to begin to look at him. Is this really simple? It's so simple. We have to learn to do it, though. It's not good enough for us to hear a message. For us, I'm speaking to myself, to speak a message. You have to live the message. Don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We have to live a life that remembers People are very forgetful. We forget things all the time. I can't remember where my keys are half the time. We forget things all the time. Therefore, God says, have things called testimony. Start talking about it. Bring it back up. Think about it. The Bible calls it meditation. I will think upon it. I will meditate on the works of your hands, what you've done. It, it will have good fruit in your life. Why is it important to do? Because pretty soon you'll forget. Next thing you know, you're just going about life and I don't know what I'm doing. You have purpose. Yeah? There's another level and it's more of a spiritual level, but it impacts this here. Your life is not ruled by the devil anymore. 
Some of us, some of us, I'll be totally real, some of us in this place might be experiencing being ruled by the devil. But I got good news for you. Jesus conquered that. No longer is there a place for the enemy to rule your life. What I mean by that is no longer does the enemy get to pull you this way and that locked in chains to do his bidding. The Bible says that the sons of this world obey him, the devil, as children of disobedience. Whatever he wills, he does through them. No longer for you. That only happens when we forget. That only happens when you start living in guilt, shame, and condemnation. You beat yourself up and you start saying bad things over yourself. The thoughts, the giants, I'm this, I'm that, I feel like this. You know, sometimes our feelings and our emotions become way bigger than our God. I feel like I'm just not good at that. I feel like I'm horrible at this. I, 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 I feel like I just can't do it. I feel like I'm just going to fail. Oh, I just feel so sad. You know, that's a battle happening. And it's normal for us to be conformed to the patterns of the world and to gaze upon those giants and let that be the norm of our thought. But let it not be about us. When you start to see those things, when you start to hear those things, it's time to get ready for battle. How do you battle that? Look at God. Know who you are. Who are you? <laughs> Woo! Dude, I said this maybe a couple months ago. I've only been here for five months. By the way, I really love all of you. I'm having a great time at this church. Today's a little small every day. Maybe it was the weather. I thought it was going to rain, but it was a perfect day. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I said a few months ago, though, we were talking about baptism. We were talking about baptism and, and the effects of what baptism has done for you. And just to recap real quick, it's done a few things for you. Number one, it's destroyed your enemy. You're a free person, meaning you're not a slave to the devil anymore. In fact, you're a slave of righteousness. But you have to believe it. Two, the baptism has brought you into an inheritance. All things that pertain to life and godliness are yours. The God of the universe, the God who created everything, is living in you. Wow. The God of the universe, the God who created everything, is here with us. He's living in you. And he's bringing you into your destiny, your inheritance. And lastly, the baptism catches you up into another level, like Elijah. He seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. The Bible doesn't say he will seat you. The Bible says he has lifted you up and seated you in heavenly places, far above all principalities, power, dominion, and might. Whose footstool is God's? His enemies. His enemies are a footstool, not a giant tower. Yes? Take the symbolism of giants now and make it real practical for you. What in your life, when you're living, 
you start saying over yourself. You know, it's way easy for some of us to say bad things, and for some reason, that's so easy for us to do, but yet switching to saying what's truth, some of us need to learn to do, because we don't want to be like the Israelites who saw the giants more than they saw God. Some of us here, some of us here, you might think that you're bound to continue to sin. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say that over yourself. Believe it over yourself. Yeah, I'm just so excited. I was like, some people are going to get some freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, pastor. <laughs> some of us have been dealing with illnesses for years and years and years. Hey, that man at the pool of Bethesda was there for 38 years. <sighs> what was he waiting for? That water to be stirred. His eyes were on God, not his sickness. Yeah? Continue to look to him. You're not defined by this world and the flesh of this world. You're defined by God. And God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything you can ask, hope, think, or imagine. Yes? Some of you guys, the giants, you're afraid for your businesses. You're afraid to step out. Don't be afraid. Go. God's so much bigger. Just take some risk. He'll literally guide you. If you start to go and he's like, no, come over here, kid. He's going to guide you. He gives you the victory. It doesn't matter how crazy, how strong, how incompetent you feel. God's going to do great things. But you need confidence. Again, I'm going to say it again. There's a big difference between confidence and pride. Pride is like, man, I'm so awesome because I'm awesome because of what I do. Yuck. <laughs> I am awesome. But it ain't because of me, it's because he made me. <laughs> and 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 he's the awesome one in me. Right? That's why you're awesome. God's got good things for you. You don't live in victory and freedom because you're the best saint around. You live for victory and freedom from that place, in that place, because of Jesus and the work that he's done for you. That's just that simple. It's that simple. But we need confidence. Our thoughts have to be attuned to him. In this world, the things that happen, all these things, big giants, all of us are different. In our families, giants. In our thoughts, our relationships, there's giants. There's things that can bother us. And what happens is when you start to see the problem bigger than God, you'll never see the solution because those giants will still dwell in the land and not be eradicated. Do you guys understand what I just said? If you got problems in your household, if the problems consume you and you allow bitterness, resentment, hatred, wrath, problems to fester and to continue because the focus is on the problems, not on the solution. It's not going to go away. It's living this cycle over and over again. That's not what God has for us. 
He's got a solution. But when there's problems, when there's giants, when there's strong towers that reach to the heavens, it's nothing but a footstool to God. And God wants to crush Satan under your feet. That looks really practical when we have friendships, when we have relationships, when you've got things that are broken around us. It looks practical. It looks like reconciliation. It looks like healed marriages. It looks like friends that aren't going to hate each other anymore. Forgiveness. It looks on a big scale like nations who are at war becoming friends. Why not? God can do all things. Can a nation be saved in a day? Oh, these problems are not big for our God. They might be big, and there might be some really big problems, but they're not compared to God. And we're called to be radical thinkers. People who see a certain way that the world doesn't see. Don't be conformed to the ways of the world. The world is going to see things a certain way. And they're going to go, you're weird because you don't think like me. And it's like, I know. God's telling me to be transformed by the renewal of my mind. I need to see things differently than you do. I'm talking to the world. Yes? We have to. We have to. That confidence doesn't mean that you don't care about the trial and the difficulty. (sighs) Let's say you're Joshua. No, we're going to go into this land. Do you not care that there's big giants? Do you not care for us? This thing can kill us. The flip question is, do you know God? (laughs) It's all quiet now. God is bigger than anything on this planet, and he's really good. I'm so excited. You're a Christian. You have so much power in you. We can't be afraid. We can't be fearful people. By the way, I'm not saying to not be like, you know, it's funny. God, I'm just going to say this. I could just, sometimes thoughts trickle, you know? You ever just catch a thought? I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch one thought. Maybe it's like two, maybe two people. I just could catch it. Um, there, there might be a thought. You ready? What about if you get COVID? What about that? Well, then quarantine. Is this crazy? It's not a crazy concept. Quarantine and believe in the God who heals and put your faith in him. You know, in the Bible, God healed them. The Bible says there was none sick. There was none in all of the people of Israel. None sick and feeble among them when they left uh, Egypt. None sick and feeble among them when they left Egypt. And yet there were times when epidemics happened. They called them plagues in the Bible. They called them plagues. They were epidemics. He goes, when a plague hits you and you get the plague, quarantine. That's what God said to do. When you get it, he didn't say every healthy person do it. He said, when you get it, oh, I'm stepping on some toes. He said, (laughs) 
I'm just going to start dancing for a second. I'm starting to tremble in my boots. No, I'm just kidding. He said, when you get it, quarantine. He actually says, funny, read the Bible. He says, when you get a plague, when you get an epidemic, he goes, quarantine, go into your house, separate yourself from the people for a week. And he goes, and then check the guy out. If he still got it, give him another week. If he doesn't, let him come back into fellowship. This is common sense. This is what God, this is what God said. Wait, wait, why would God say this? God's the God who heals. Why didn't he just take the plague away? I don't know. I'm not God. But it doesn't matter. It's still common sense. And then from that point, you believe in a God who does miracles. Uh, so, oh my gosh. By the way, it goes on. It says, it says, if the plague spreads to the house and the house gets it, like it's in the boards, it's like, just burn the house down. <laughs> just burn it down. Build a new house. <laughs> uh, that's all in the Bible. Don't you guys love the Bible? Wow. I'm going to end on this. We have to see differently than the world. We have, to, we have to learn to do this. Both in the larger scale, you know, when, when people are debating this, that, and the other, we have to see something bigger. And for your own personal life, for some of us that beat ourselves down with certain kinds of bad thoughts, those need to change the way they change. You have to see yourself how God sees you. If you don't know, start to learn. Renew your mind. And even if your mind gets renewed and you start to see yourself differently, there's still going to be trials. And there's still going to be times where you start to think certain ways about yourself. And then you got to go, wait a second. What? That ain't me. I got God in me. It's not prideful. It's faith. It's confidence in God. Because you're confiding in him and he's with you. He determines your life. He determines who you are. He says what you are, and no one gets to say anything about it. Ever. They could try, let it fall off like water, because you've already been washed. Let it just fall off. You've already been washed. Yes? You guys are awesome. I love all of you. Isn't this a fun day? It's a good day. Uh, by the way, I just got to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I love this word echo. I'm going to echo some of what Pastor Jessica has said, you know, when, when things get crazy spiritually and people start prophesying, start doing things that you've never seen before. Okay. Don't let, don't let, um, uh, fear or your lack of experience with something take you away from hearing and seeing what God's doing or wants to do. And even if you want to do things a little differently, or if you ran a church, it'd be this perfect. This might be for one person. I have no idea. Even if you wanted to do things differently, 
okay. We're all a family, and we need to express the gifts of the Spirit. And we're a church that has freedom and protection for us to do it in a safe place to learn together. We shouldn't be a church that fears, that never steps into the supernatural because we're afraid of offending people and looking weird. If you do that, you'll never see the power of God and you'll never see him at work in your life. (laughs) You're never going to get wild testimonies. Like when I'm in a car and I start praying in tongues, my buddy who doesn't speak in tongues, and maybe it would offend him, but little did I know he spoke Arabic and he tripped down because you're speaking Arabic. Would that happen unless you speak in tongues? No, I don't know. I don't think so. Anyways, I just wanted to say that little part. I love you guys. I love this church. We're called to love one another. Let's get wild. God's so good. I want to pray for you. Can you guys can you guys stand up? Can I get the worship team up here? Yeah, can you? Oh yeah, Pastor Jesse's on them. Thanks, buddy. I want to uh, just close your eyes. If you want, position your hands. You know, there's, uh, there's something biblical about body posture. The Bible, like when they, when they kneeled together and prayed, when the Bible says, I desire for all men to lift up holy hands in prayer. It's not some religious thing it says in the New Testament, but there's, there's something about body posture too. So I, I just want to encourage you right now, as a prophetic act, I want you to put your body in a posture of receiving, body in a posture of praise, and I want you just to think, if, you, if some of you have been thinking about bad things over your life, you've been saying things that have been just bad over who you are, I want you to recognize what those things are. See those things as little baby giants and push them to the side at the feet of Jesus because that's where they belong, as a footstool. And I want you to say, God, how do you see me? What do you say over me? Some of you have already been seeing what God's saying about you. And I want all of us just to gaze upon him. I want you to say, thank you, Jesus. You're so, so good. <laughs> Lord, I pray, God, that you would just touch every soul. Lord, I just pray that you would increase your kingdom that this is a time for your kingdom to increase. The gates of hell shall not prevail. And I pray for an increase, God. I pray for an increase of confidence in every person here, that every person here, God, that we would grow in humility and that we would grow in confidence. Such strong confidence because we know who our God is, who walks with us, and we're not going to be afraid in life. Guys, this life's going to come like a vapor, It's like a vapor, a smoke, here today, gone tomorrow. It's going to be over in a blip in a second. But we live for eternity. So how are you going to live is the bigger question. It's the bigger question. How are you going to live? Live in faith. Live in confidence. Kick out fear and kick it in the face. Yeah. Oh, I love you guys.
Jesse, you know, Pastor Jesse is going to lead us in a song. Can I get the prayer team up here too? Yeah? I'm so good at ending services. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.